Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. Are we in for more horrible, horrible people today, Janine, or Morgan Hasn't Seen in our Dark Teen Comedy series? Do we have the same kind of thing that we've been dealing with for the last two weeks, or is it a little bit different today? Um, I'd say it's a little lighter. I think the the themes and concepts are still of the dark vein, but definitely um, no no cold blooded incidences of murder in this movie. That is true. There are there are very very few, if if none actually, which is surprising for this particular series on Morgan hasn't seen the dark teen comedy series because for the last two weeks we've been speaking about Heathers and Jawbreaker Janine which are movies uh, that were uh, cold-blooded murder and emotionless uh, lack of remorse is it, pretty big yeah pretty big aspects of those movies I suppose but what we are talking about today. Well, we do. We are switching it up a bit, a little bit today, actually, because we're talking about Dead Man on Campus, which, of course, I hadn't seen. That's the point of the show, isn't it? Morgan hasn't seen you find movies for me to watch. First of all, actually, why Dead Man on Campus for the series? Well, it seemed like most of these movies we have discussed are you know and we did have this discussion that they all seem to be very female driven so i don't know if it's that whole kind of concept of femme fatales or you know women being you know wrapped up in their emotions and so you know that kind of maybe it's horribly negative these catty negative type crimes or things like that i don't uh, so want to i don't want to be the one to uh, say it might be ridiculously negative. It might be very positive, but it might be just ridiculously negative. Women are evil. <laughs> yes, thank you for for putting that general blanket. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm saying the movies might. Yes. Be saying it. So we have been doing a lot of female heavy, um, you know teen dark comedies uh, for this series so i did want to throw one in there that i knew of that you know is of my generation that was a bit more male driven a lot more male driven yes i thought entirely male driven a man a man's movie janine (laughs) yeah it's it's not really what do you call them what is a man's movie hmm any western probably a war movie Anything yes, with Clint Eastwood in it. That's a man's movie, I suppose, isn't it? Movies, all very yeah. stereotypically male, but, you know, women can enjoy those things as well. Certainly, Janine, everybody can enjoy everything. It doesn't matter. Yes, but, you know, everything has to be put in some kind of box in society and pop culture. Sigh. <laughs> it does, but it does not mean that one cannot enjoy everything. Exactly. Categorization like is not exclusive, Janine. <laughs> like murder. Like murder in your teen movies. We can all enjoy a good murder in our teen movies, can't exactly. we? Yes. Regardless of who we are, what we believe in, or our preferences in many aspects of life. 
Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, but we are talking about Dead Man on campus today, which is a nice switch up because it is male uh, centered, uh, which, you know, allows us to take a look at some horrible thoughts of men, which are obviously very prevalent in the world. The horrible thoughts of men, aren't they, Janine? Yes. Uh, I think emotionlessness comes into this movie a little bit as well and yeah definitely certainly suicide is a topic in this movie which wasn't necessarily one of our dark topics of, of focus in jawbreaker but certainly yeah. was in heathers. heathers yes that was a huge thing in heathers so um yeah the general premise of this movie is these two college guys find themselves failing and if they don't you know get their grades up by finals you know they're going to get kicked out of school and terrible things will happen so they do find a clause like in the school charter that states if your roommate commits suicide you know you are not expected to do well obviously in school because you'll be you know you get top grades basically so they will give you passing grades so then that leads these two college guys to find a roommate who maybe is already on the brink of suicide and move them in with him and just let nature, well, I guess not nature, but their their dark thoughts take its course and, yeah, and let, they benefit from that. Let this poor, poor person's depression take hold of them, basically. Horrible, horrible topic. Horrible topic to think about if it wasn't such a funny movie. Yes, it, they would is, go is the point. In the 90s comedic uh, way of, of a TV yeah. movie. Also that, done by that's MTV the point of so. these movies, though, aren't they, yeah. Janine? That is the point of these movies. They are dealing with these topics that nobody likes, that people, especially when it's something like this, find very, very difficult to talk about. But if you wrap it up in a fairly silly comedy movie like this all of a sudden it uh it's good in a way because it can promote discussion on serious matters if if they are presented in a lighter frame first yes and i think how the story ends up evolving uh later on yeah. It does kind of point out something that people always seem to forget about people who maybe are contemplating suicide. Um, yeah. And a positive kind of comes out of that situation. So we will get there. But uh, yeah, will. definitely will. a dark premise of just trying to find someone who's going to commit suicide so that you could get good grades. That also brings up the the uh, thought of little to no remorse. <laughs> is it um, not like top grades as well? I don't even think it's just like a passing grade, is it? Is it yeah, not like you get the absolute best thing yeah, possible? Yeah, something like that because yeah, you're obviously in mourning and so they don't expect you to, you know, try to ace your finals when you're going through that. So um, do, these, do these kind of clauses actually exist? I don't know because there was a, a movie that came out on TV before this movie. Like I think this one, the movie that I'm about to talk about is Came out like on August twelfth of nineteen ninety eight, and this movie came out on August twenty first of nineteen ninety eight. No, no, God. So yeah, it's and it's called, thing? and it's a pretty similar title as well. It's called Dead Man's Curve, <laughs> right? Because I guess because of a grading curve, you know. So 
it's a similar premise, although it's a lot darker and they kind of go very serious with it. It has Matthew Lillard and uh, Carrie Russell and um, uh, Michael Vartan. And yeah, I guess it's about these three college roommates and then two of them kill one of the roommates and try to make it look like suicide so that they can get the passing grades. And this is a serious movie. Yeah, so it's a serious teen TV dark movie. So they kind of took, they, it's the same exact premise as Dead Man on Campus, but it's a much more serious thriller type take on it. I would rather have the comedic uh, niceness of Dead Man on Campus, Janine, because I honestly do think uh, that if you present serious topics in a comedy setting, it can promote better discussion on those topics because people want to watch or people want to consume perceived lighter movies, TV, videos, whatever it is, more than they do darker stuff. You know, I know what I want to watch more. I I know what I want to watch more. I yeah. can only think that it doesn't, don't, don't most people. I mean, I know some people, I suppose, go and watch a very, very sad movie for, for artistic value. Sure, that's perfectly understandable. Or go and watch a very, very sad movie because it's cathartic. Well, you or whatever. Like, and, this is coming from the guy who loves things like The Lighthouse and Midsummer. So, the Lighthouse yeah. is not a sad movie, Janine, though, is it? <laughs> I'm talking about, like, go and watch the absolute most... I don't think Midsummer is a sad movie. I don't think Midsummer... I think Midsummer's a positively... <laughs> positive movie. What? Midsummer is, Midsummer is three hours of, yes, Florence Pugh, you, you go and get rid of him. Get rid of him, Florence Pugh. He's dreadful. <laughs> What's his name in Midsummer? I forget his name now because he annoys me that much. In, and he annoys everybody. So you're supposed to like. Is it, be okay exactly. With you're that, supposed to like... root for people in. You're supposed to root for Plor- for Florence Pugh in Midsummer. I nearly called her Florence Few then, but sure. But now she's just. We'll move on. With all these crazy people. <laughs> yeah, but Janine, she she wants to be there. And May Queen smiles. Oh, I've burnt my boyfriend alive in a bear suit. Yay. I'm the May Queen. Well done, Florence Pugh. <laughs> well done. Rooting for you. The Lighthouse is a whole different beast because it's not really got a story. It's just a m- m- mind trip for an hour and a half. But it's not sad. Those movies aren't sad. I'm talking about like Schindler's List okay. kind of situation. Oh, but I suppose Schindler's List is. Really sad movies. It's more like a oh look at the power of heart. And what's a what's a, a very very obvious bleak horrible movie that I can't even think of now because I don't watch them. <laughs> anyway, the the bleakest most horrible movie you can think of. Some people mm. will watch them for cathartic reasons or for artistic reasons, and that's absolutely fine. But, and you can have conversations about the topics within those movies, sure, but you're not going to get much enjoyment out of it as well, are you? 
Like you can no. still have the conversations you like that, them, but you're not going to get that full enjoyment out of it. Yeah, and you can still have the conversations that those bleak movies promote. Watching a comedy movie that deals with the same topics. You really can because it's the same. You, you are talking about the same thing. And it can arguably be more eye-opening in a way because you think or you, or you start to realise as you watch it more and you talk about it more that actually it's got really intelligent things to say about these topics. Like Heather's was incredibly clever with how it dealt with kind of teenage obsession and popularity and suicide. Incredibly intelligent in how it spoke on that. Jawbreaker was the same was the same for for popularity and that kind of stuff and uh, being emotionless, I guess. But then you know you get your comeuppance at the end of of Jawbreaker, and I suppose you get your comeuppance at the end of Heather's. Comeuppance doesn't necessarily have to come in Dead Man on Campus because it's almost like a self-realization of we went a bit far, didn't we? Yes, because I think in all of these movies so far, our protagonists are kind of the ones doing these terrible things, but we've already... But the movie still kind of managed to kind of endear you to some of them. I mean, not um, Rose McGowan's character in Drawbreaker, but no. other characters involved in that same situation. You do get endeared to them, like Fern and um, Julie in Jawbreaker. But, Even um, Christian Slater in, uh, <laughs> in Heather's, you kind of like at the start. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we are kind of endured to an extent, to our protagonists who are doing these kind of ridiculous and albeit not great things. Uh, So I think that's definitely a very fun and interesting path to take with them on how they're going to get out of the situation and are you going to kind of side with them in the end? And do you really want to see comeuppance for them because you've liked them so far even though they are kind of doing these terrible things and i think that's how these movies are set up to really kind of just get your mind working on you know how you feel about characters and like the dark things they do but um for a purpose that you kind of can get behind slightly yeah like because you you gotta think about it these two in this movie are incredibly selfish incredibly emotionally thoughtless and manipulative and for 90% like, of this yes. movie. And it's not like them getting in the situation with their grades is something that was out of their control. They did this to themselves. No. Like Josh they goes did it there. in a stupid way as well. Yes, did, Josh goes there. Tom Everett, uh, Scott's character, I think that's his name, Tom Everett. So. Yeah. Yes, he goes, he's like there um, on a academic scholarship, like a six-year medical program. He's all about studying, getting his work done, doing well. He has a job at the housing office. So he's like, has a whole set plan. Then he gets paired uh, as roommates with Cooper, um, where, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name. Mark Paul Gosler. Mark Paul Gosler, all these three named people. Um, who he's bla- basically playing Zach Morris, but a raunchier version of Zach Morris with dark hair. Is it? Because um, Morgan's never seen Saved by yes, the Bell. Yes, that is not a, Saved uh, by yeah. the Bell doesn't work in Britain. 
No. Um, yes, he's pretty much Zach Morris as a brunette with uh, no uh, PG rating. So right, <laughs> he has been a partier all his years of school, hasn't done anything, hasn't gone to a single class, um, only to kind of meet Josh and kind of influence him to the dark side of partying to a point where Josh kind of neglects all his schoolwork and starts to fail and is in jeopardy of losing his scholarship. So that's when they hear from it's a always drunk partying, man. Isn't it? Yes. It's always partying is the reason that college uh, students in movies are failing. It's never like real life reason. Like nobody, nobody parties that much in college because you would actually not be able to live you know yeah because it's, like, it's, it's i didn't have much. that kind of living on campus experience but at that oh. age but at that age like i had a job i was going to school but i was still partying but like i still yeah. managed to see the value in you know, I had the freedom. It wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm under my parents, you know, for so many years and now I'm in college away from them. So now I'm going to go crazy. Like I always kind of had the freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted because and because I'm not that type of person. I never really yeah. took advantage of that, but I didn't have like parents hassling me or had this need to like rebel and do go crazy. Similar, so, I mean, similar <laughs> mindset with me. I did live in a student accommodation um, that was was basically on, you know, a, a university campus, um, and certainly knew people who partied a lot, but not Did like you know any Coopers, like Coopers. No, because I don't think they exist. Mm -hmm. And the people that didn't go to class didn't not go to their classes for party reasons. You know, they didn't go to the classes. Maybe because, maybe because to be to be perfectly honest, they were suffering mentally severely. Maybe that you know that's the reason people didn't go to some classes. But I can I can picture zero people I ever came across in my time at university that would have literally not gone to a single class or yeah. a most or even even half of the classes for the excuse of i was too drunk from last night i mean sure it happens every so often but what nights are students going out most of the time a friday you don't have classes on your saturday again maybe this is a britain to american thing well, yeah, I mean, that is a definite, like, do you not, do you have a, this character trope in, like, college movies? There's not really. British University is a painfully underdeveloped area of movies and TV, <laughs> to be honest. We definitely have a stereotype of British University of, like, being very, you know, proper and, like... <laughs> Well, yeah, see, I suppose the nearest, the nearest, so we, um, whenever British university is depicted in American films, it's never that character. But in our movies, though, we definitely always kind of have that party character who never goes to class, who always just wants to, to have a scheme or a plan or throw a big party or sleep with all the girls. And that is definitely well, a huge trope. Those people in exist. Movies. 
Those people do exist, but they do not exist at a stereotypical level. Okay. And they, they, the British versions of those people certainly exist, but also the British people of your stereotypical British university sitting in a library with a uniform on at Cambridge yeah. <laughs> also will exist in those libraries at Cambridge. Okay. You know, those people, those, they won't exist to the extreme level. And I suppose to a, in a realistic sense, Cooper won't exist in real life. And certainly what's his stupid face called? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, um. In this ridiculous, the, oh, the most single, most. Yeah. Cliff. 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 <laughs> and I don't, annoying isn't the right word. Just kind of. Oh, please get away from me and everything to do with me. He is terrifying, Cliff. Um, One of the scariest characters I think I've ever come across in any movie is Cliff from this movie. So Josh and Cooper, ultimately, you know, Josh can only ignore Cooper's attempts to get him to party for so long. And he kind of stays focused on his course until Cooper... Um, you know, introduces him to a girl. He meets a girl. Yeah, really See, that's, a, that's girl. another and that's more realistic Josh, reason. Yes. So Josh kind of, it's not solely Cooper that gets him to, you know, ignore his schoolwork for partying. He meets a girl, he hooks up with a girl, and that's kind of where we see this montage of Josh kind of falling into going to parties and drinking and hanging out and completely blowing off all the schoolwork. He's zoning out. He's always going to class, but he's completely zoning out. He's not paying attention to anything. Um, Which also happens. I mean, that's fair. That's realistic, I suppose, isn't it? You can't disagree with that uh, from a realism standpoint. Yes. So I like that we do actually see him still going to classes. So it's not him just it's not him just not going to class um, and kind of completely blowing off school. It's the point of him slowly losing interest and not focusing. Yeah. So um, at a certain point, he takes his midterm and realizes that he failed like all his classes. And he blames Cooper. He wasn't focusing. No. So that's where they kind of get to a point where they're at the bar and Cooper also gets a visit from his dad, who is like this, um, like CEO of this toilet cleaning empire. Cooper's <laughs> father is a, another fairly terrifying character from dead man on campus. I mean, understandably he is incredibly annoyed at his son. Yeah. Because he, As he anyone admits- would be. Paid for Cooper to go to all these different colleges just for him to plunk out. Yes, he has. Which you would obviously be monumentally annoyed at. And but he does come in and kind of shoves him around a bit, which is like, calm down. We don't yeah. need to be violent about the situation, do we? That kind of made me get a bit funny, you know. And, wonder what was going on there but that's beside the point that's beside the point um i don't know what the point is now that i was trying to make janine um what 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 was the point that i was trying to make um so yeah they both are kind of realizing that they are in huge trouble because 
Cooper's dad does tell him that, you know, if you don't get good grades, if you don't pass, you know, I'm not paying for you to go to another school. You will come work at the yeah. company and scrub toilets. It's definitely something Cooper does not want to do. So they both and Josh gets the realization that he may lose his scholarship. Yeah, which is so, obviously dreadful news for, for Joshy. Yes. So they do decide to, after hearing from a drunken man at the bar about this charter in the, uh, that they can. <laughs> it's always that, isn't it though? It's always, it's always the most American pie thing that could possibly happen happens. I, I can imagine that exact same, that at exact the moment that you need that information. <laughs> that exact same character in an American pie movie going, Hey guys, do you know that the American Pie spin-off, The Book of Love? I'm fairly certain it was the exact same character who says, hey, you know, there's this book where it shows all these different weird sex things that you can do with people, and I want yeah. you to do them, all a hundred of them, to in order to get in this frat house. What? Who, these people don't exist. <laughs> yes, there's there's always the exposition drunk that tells you exactly the exposition what you need. drunk. 100% the exposition drunk is a is an archetype in many, many, many movies. There should be video essays on the archetype of the exposition drunk because he exists. Yes. So I do believe that. So I like I do wonder if that is a real thing that like where this concept came from, that there are two movies that came out in the same year with the same concept. Be. Like, is this a real thing at a college somewhere that deep in their charter is a clause that says, hey, if you are, you know, going through a hard time because your roommate committed suicide, we will give you, you know, passing grades. So, yeah, I don't know if that is a thing, but they do end up going to the library, which Cooper funnily has no idea what the library is. <laughs> And the, the college library, he, he just yeah. has no idea. <laughs> he has no idea. So Josh takes him to the library and they look it up and it actually is a real thing. So then they kind of put their plan into motion. Josh is actually a little bit hesitant. He is kind of, you know, not Josh wanting... is the saner one though. Do you yes. Know? He definitely is like, I don't know if we should do this. It doesn't seem like a good idea. Like, and Cooper kind of gives him a rational explanation, kind of like you know, well, this person is going to do this anyway. So they might as well do that while they're living with us. Which, yes, you can understand to a point Cooper's Where thought Cooper's process here. Yeah. But this person's going to do that anyway. He's not a valid excuse. No. We should be trying to help this person so they don't do exactly. that. Exactly. We shouldn't be just putting very ill suicidal people in the category of you're going to die anyway that's not a thing that's not a thing yeah you know you're going to die anyway isn't a thing help the help the poor exactly. sick person is a thing so that's where we get the lack of remorse from these guys um as the story yeah. unfolds but we did actually miss something um <laughs> they they did actually have a third roommate at the start of the oh show. they did yes they did <laughs> played by a young uh jason siegel <laughs> you know what? there's a couple there's a couple there's a couple of uh 
young, heavily notable actors in this movie, Janine. I spotted Alison Hannigan. I spotted Linda Cardellini. Yes. So at the start of the movie, we do meet the third roommate played by Jason Segel, who is very angry and incredibly (laughs) horny. Well, Janine, the explanation, of course. He went to an all-boys Catholic high school. Yes, he's been very repressed, and, you know, it's built up, and now he's at college. So, um... What does he have on his walls, Janine? He has a bunch of bikini ladies all over his walls. I think um, he's got more... I think he's got more than just bikini ladies on his walls, Janine. Yeah. I, I, I'm fairly certain the three or four glimpsing shots we get of his room... The walls are covered from top to bottom with fairly nude women, let's be fair. Yes, so which is um, excessive. We don't need that all the time. There's a time and a place, Kyle. You know. So he does all um, the time is not the time of the place. Exactly. So that first night when we do meet our our characters, uh Cooper does have a party and uh, he, does, yes. he does end up meeting Kyle ends up meeting uh, Linda Cardellini's character there, who also herself has been a bit repressed at an old girls Catholic school. <laughs> they, don't they just work for each other? Yes. So they hit it off and he says, don't touch my stuff. Leave my room alone. I'm going to go stay at her place for a while. So he is gone because he's staying at his girlfriend's place, but they use this opportunity to, move someone in there who is suicidal because Josh works at the housing office so he can easily like change that information quickly for them. Um, so they just proceed to like rip all of Kyle's things off the wall <laughs> and throw all his shit in the hallway. I just like how a year turns into oh a year, sorry I've, I've just ruined my joke, a while <laughs> turns into the whole school year. Yeah. He just leaves. Yeah, because we don't see him for a hot minute because he's at his girlfriend's place. So um, I don't think it would be funny if we never saw him in the movie again, to be honest. He's just like, I'm going to go and stay with Linda Cardellini for a while. And then he's just gone. Yeah. Which Where did he go? Is he still alive? Who knows? Well, we do, he, we do see him come back at the end. Uh, we do. We do. But I just think it would have been funnier if we hadn't. Just never seen him again. So, yes, they do just decide to throw all his shit in a closet and in the hallway and out the window and <laughs> and use his room for this potentially suicidal person that's going to get them out of this predicament. So the first person they go to meet, because they do end up taking this Mission Impossible style um, uh, mission to go find all the files of students who might have mental issues. So yeah, which is another is, time uh... where mental illness was not taken completely seriously no yes um no it wasn't i just the the they just go through people it's just like oh that guy's not that guy's not suicidal enough we'll have to move on to the horrible things to think yes so they do one of them's cliff yes so they cliff i believe is the first one they find and they meet him like hanging off his balcony almost falling off several times but like laughing about it throwing water balloons at people seriously scares Um, me yeah just 
totally crazy. So they say, okay, he's perfect. Like he might just kill himself by accident, and we could not just kill somebody else by accident. Exactly, this is the so kind of person he sets that... Allison Hannigan's hair on fire. Um, was... Yeah, he's in completely insane. He tries to get them to meet a prostitute named Carl, um, only for them to, you know jump out of his car while it's moving because he's insane so then they move on to the next prospect um i just i I will give credit to the guy who played cliff because lachlan monroe lachlan monroe to to look like you are on more cocaine than tony montana at the end of scarface Obviously not be, because it's a movie in 1998 and you wouldn't have been able to do that anymore. Yeah. is really quite impressive. The energy he had, the absolute manic, chaotic energy that Cliff had in this movie was played really, really well because I was genuinely terrified for everybody's safety who was anywhere near Cliff. (laughs) Not even because he's some sort of maniac serial killer. Nothing like that. You know, he he seems a, a person that wants to get on with everybody cliff to be fair to him but something's gone on with with cliff somewhere and he he also seems like he would stab someone 17 times without actually realizing what he's just done yeah he's definitely off his rocker so i think that's why they thought he was a good pick so this was cooper's pick and i like the, the kind of two of them are like back and forth like oh my pick your pick so whenever one of their picks <laughs> was something slightly insane they're like oh that was my pick like he's gonna do it of course um, it's a competition as well yes so cliff is cooper's pick and he is insane so they ultimately they have to kind of move on to the next one as yeah that's not gonna work um he's not suicidal he's just crazy he's just so yeah, he's just <laughs> absolutely off his nut. So then they find Buckley, I believe his name is, who is like this crazy conspiracy theorist who thinks like Bill Gates is trying to murder him and there's like, you know, chemicals in the air that people are putting out there to try to like get into his yeah. brain. <laughs> like You kind of feel like he's got some of the same kind of energy as Cliff in a weird way. In that you would 100% believe both Cliff and this guy to to believe the same kind of conspiracy theories. Like, Cliff, there, there ain't no way Cliff doesn't think that the moon landing was faked. 100% he's one of those people. <laughs> yeah. But so is Buckley, this guy. Yes. Um, yeah, like he's got something really against Bill Gates. Did yes. MTV have some sort of thing against Bill Gates, Janine? I don't know. Is this a, is that a thing? Is it an MTV thing, <laughs> given that this <laughs> is an MTV movie? Not that I remember, not that I recall. But uh, yeah, Buckley is just about conspiracy theories and like he's very insane and nobody believes him and like the truth is out there and he's just really paranoid. 
So they think Again, that's quite be a scary suicide. person. Yes, he is a very scary person. But is that does that equate to suicide? So then, you know, Josh is very proud of his pick because he's just spouting all these crazy conspiracies and thinks everyone's out to get him and that like, you know, he might have to just kill himself because <laughs> I guess he doesn't want Bill Gates to do it or them to get his brain or whatever craziness. I think the perfect ending for Buckley comes to him. Like there's there's endings for these characters that they they kind of go through on this journey to find a suicidal person, which is a horrible sentence. Yes, you did do air quotes when you said that. But <laughs> you know there are there are there are characters in that whose endings in this movie maybe don't feel wholly reasonable for their characters. Buckley's ending feels exactly how it should have possibly gone. It's the only possible way it could have ended for him. So I appreciated that. Yes. Um, He, of course, doesn't end in death. Yeah, so they do, you know, Buckley does kind of give hints that, like, he's just at the end of his rope because nobody believes him and Bill Gates is going to get him and all of these things. So Specifically Bill Gates. Yeah, so they decide to leave things around that might entice him into suicide. So they're in his bathroom and they're setting up, like, nooses and knives and things. And he's about to come in. They hide in the shower. He finds them holding a noose and a knife. And he busts into their room and sees like all these Polaroids they've taken of him because obviously they've been like <laughs> watching him to see if he's a good prospect. So then, and they, I think they tried to freak him out even more by like putting on uh, like a like a hazmat suit and like spraying chemicals outside his window to like freak him out. Don't they prank call him as well? They, they do, and they say it's like, "Hey, this is Bill Gates." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I understand. I understand this guy's severely mentally ill and thinks Bill Gates is going to kill him. But if somebody prank calls you at a university and says, hey, it's Bill Gates, I'm going to get you. It's, it's, I don't care how, I'm sorry. How, 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 how ill must you be to then actually believe that's Bill Gates? It's just not. Well, he does. So, he does. He does. So ultimately, he sees them in his bathroom with, with weapons. He busts into the room and sees all these pictures of him and this hazmat suit. So he believes they're the ones who have been after him oh, all along. Yeah. So he runs out screaming, talking about, I'm going to tell Lockies. everybody that you're evil and you're never going to get laid. <laughs> like He, he oh, runs that's out. That's such an insult, though, isn't it? Yes, and so he is like shouting all this stuff, and he's like so excited because he's like, I'm not crazy. See, I wasn't making any of this up. They are out to get me. And so he runs away, like screaming like a crazy person. So there goes their second prospect. <laughs> a lot of the comedy in this movie, Ginny, is 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 very, very masculine. Yes. A lot of it is uh sex-based, a lot of it is kind of it's either sex-based or I'm too drunk or competition-based. Yes. Kind of that, the superiority humor that you always get with male movies, I guess, yes. which so is, is, is a very... different 
tones we were getting with, uh, with yeah. the male centric movie for sure. Good change um, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely had to throw a male centric movie because yeah, I think all of these movies in this vein are all very female driven. So um, to kind Even of the ones find... we've got coming up as well. Yes. The last two we have coming up are all very female driven. Um, something about something about it, Janine. I'd like to think it's not the sinister reason. And it's just kind of a, well, it might just be better to tell these kind of stories with, with women. That popularity stereotype. You know, yeah. The popularity stereotype, which was, I think, a huge thing at this time anyway. It's so. an easier stereotype to play this dark game with, I think, isn't it? Rather than, because you, you can almost, the male teen movie stereotypes are, they don't, tend to be they don't tend to be violent they tend to be stupid yes like, don't they oh, going to be the quarterback on the football team you know like the the girls in you know heathers the heathers in heathers and rose mcgowan you know in in jawbreaker in particular are very very clever people very very clever people that's the difference there your your stereotype of uh your or your negative stereotype which is again might actually come down to being quite you know having historical bit of funniness going on here but i find it strange how or i find it notable how your dark uh character in it, from a from a, a, a female standpoint, is a clever person, but then your or your your stereotype, but then your stereo your dark stereotype from a male perspective is a stupid person. Yeah, like these guys so are like idiots for most of this movie. But to me, that says to to the real world. Sorry, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to be a I'm trying to pick my words carefully and not be too jittery. It says to me, men, don't be stupid or you're evil. Women, don't be clever or you're evil. Which is, that's what it says to me. And that's yeah, a really that. horrible thing. Maybe that's just one reading. Maybe that's not what's going on. But I think it's the fact that that's kind of come into my head. It's obviously a statement that is monumentally concerning. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, mean, I think I, it's I a valid reading. Yeah, I definitely think I can see how you get there. Um, these dudes are kind of in the situation because of their own doing, and they're kind of really too dumb to figure out the best way to get out of it. Whereas women in these situations, like uh, in Jawbreaker, like Rose yeah, McGowan's really clever has a whole intelligent plan and she for all intents and purposes gets away with it um you know to get out of her accidental situation um and yeah. she would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for these the med this meddling med kids <laughs> this meddling exactly. it wasn't for scooby-doo scooby-doo's <laughs> turned up that would have made jawbreaker um, so much better yeah scooby-doo shows up um so yeah like i i definitely could see where you would get to that point um that kind of Team movies yeah. are interesting like that, though. 
Team yeah. moves are very, very interesting. You can read so many different focuses on them, depending on what you, maybe depending on what you're looking for, but you you can find so many different things. There is plenty of female positivity to be found in Jawbreaker, but there's also very obviously plenty of female negativity. And much like this movie, there's plenty of male negativity to be found in Dead Man on Campus. This incredible selfishness, this incredible kind of I only care about me, which again is, I suppose, selfishness, but that's very much what this movie's about. Up until it actually makes the lead characters realise how horrible they've been throughout the movie. Yeah, and just like, you know, all they care about is sex at a certain point. We have Kyle, of course, yeah. that's kind of all his focus just is. Numbskull what people. makes Josh kind of get off his track is sex, you know? Um, sex has always been evil in teen movies. And Cooper, yeah. definitely. Like, he just, that's kind of where his focus is as well. So, and then they get in the situation, and then they get to a point where they don't care about what happens to somebody else as long as they get their grades and it works out for them. Teen movies hate sex, Janine. there's so much sex in teen movies but if you actually look at the movies nobody who has a lot of sex ever does any good in these movies but even like josh's character to a certain point like he got into the situation with his grades because of sex um but then to a certain point like the girl he meets rachel he really likes her but at a certain point his his selfishness does get in the way of that as well like she gives him she gives him her short story to read and he's too focused on this ridiculous plan and and everything with cooper that he totally kind of blows her off and hurts her feelings so yeah i think selfishness is definitely one of those male tropes that are played a lot stronger here than i think maybe in the other movies yeah Um, definitely yeah, we don't really, I think the other ones were more about status and kind of holding on to that as opposed to just like pure selfish motives. And it's weird as well because you you, you you could also, in that way, look at it from a kind of female about the community, males about the self and the individual kind of point. Yeah, like where. You're you're trying to preserve your clique and your status in a clique in a group yeah. as opposed to you worrying about your grades and what your future is going to look like if this doesn't work out. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about you with everybody else. Whereas for the man, it's only about you and yeah, everybody else doesn't personal. matter. That is a, that is a very, which, of, which are obviously, but the very, very stereotypical, the very, very, very heavy gender stereotypes in media really those aren't they it's 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 the individual lone wolf man to a point and the um community driven kind of queen bee yeah i suppose which is, is you know rules the roost as the as the as the woman yeah and while there are selfish motives within that whole concept she still needs the group in order to to be at that level so she can't yeah. do that by herself can't do it on her own can't exactly. do it on her own um these are these are the stereotypes these are the archetypes of course this is not 
our personal beliefs coming into play. <laughs> Observations that we've made after three of these types of films, and now this one very male-centric driven one. Um, so to get back into the plot, yes. of this film, we are now on our third of their attempts to get a suicidal person into their room. <laughs> Is this the last guy? Yes, I believe his name is Matt, and he's like this very stereotypical eyeliner wearing, brooding rock star type. Oh, yeah. Song about <laughs> his words being his sperm, spewing forth his tragic germ. Horrible. Um, Horrible. <laughs> and he's obsessed with Kurt Loder, who is like a huge MTV VJ, who was always reporting like MTV news. Like he was very big in that. So he's obsessed with Kurt Loder. And yeah, he's very just like, you know, somber and depressed rock star, very all of that stereotype. So um, some very funny things come into play with this character. So they really think he's a strong prospect. He's always talking about death and being very morbid and all of these things. And so he does this concert and um, yeah, then after he does the rock show, everybody like loves him, thinks he's great. He goes into the bathroom and he starts singing <laughs> Um, pro tunes. What is he singing? What is he singing? <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but it's something um, quite notable. As like, I think it might be something from a musical that I've watched recently. Yes, that um, I don't remember. Don't uh, to look it up would be would take too much time. I think at this point because I don't think it's necessarily easily found. But basically, he's been putting on a performance of his own, yeah. hasn't he, Janine? He's yeah. been doing what they were all doing in Heathers, hasn't he, Janine? When they're all going, oh, I'm so He was singing sad. cabaret. <laughs> cabaret. Yeah. He's singing cabaret. There you go. He's, <laughs> oh, I'm so, oh, he's also apparently pretending to be British, but he's definitely putting an Australian accent on. Yes. It's not a British accent he's using. So I think he's trying to do like a British rock star thing, but it's not really working. So it's definitely an Australian accent, but they all think he's British. So but I think he thinks he's putting on a British accent as well, because when Cooper is calling him out confused. on that, so Cooper walks in and sees him and he's like, Were you singing show tunes? He's like, No. He's like, you were singing show tunes. You can't be depressed and suicidal if you're singing show tunes. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he like his accent drops. And he's like, you're not even British. And so there's this whole comedic scene where like, yeah, he, he's, totally, he's totally been outed because he's singing show tunes and, and dancing around the bathroom. Um, so he's definitely uh -huh. not the brutish, depressed, suicidal rock star that he made himself out to be. I just like the retort of, uh, of, of course I'm sad and depressed. Look, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he just goes, hmm, I'm sad. I'm so sad and miserable. And just humpies himself up. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, we're supposed hilarious. to prove something to Cooper. It's really a great scene. Uh, so then now they kind of are all out of prospects. Uh, and then that's when Kyle comes back. <laughs> It is. Jason Segel returns, makes his triumphant return. Yes, because the rock star does end up um, hooking up with one of Rachel's roommates, who I think Cooper actually did have a thing for. Um, so he's also kind of just upset as well because he liked her. And now this fake rock star 
is, is with her. So Kyle comes in and obviously wants to know who is fucking in his room. <laughs> He's very angry, Kyle. Yes. And very so, you know, Cooper does kind of like egg it on to make him like, I don't know who he is. He's just some poser. <laughs> like, I don't know who he is because my roommate was this depressed <laughs> a loner, yeah. you know. So then he ends up getting his ass beat by uh, go, Kyle. Go him up, Kyle. <laughs> yes, they end up kind of egging Kyle on to beat him up. So that's where he kind of gets his Which his final. Isn't something we should be doing, I think, to people with very obvious anger problems. We shouldn't be egging these people on to beat people <laughs> up and and get into their anger more. We should be calming them down. Yes, well not we we've already established how selfish Cooper is. So we have. <laughs> we we have. get to the end where now at this point they find themselves with no suicidal roommate. Um they're going to fail. Uh Cooper's going to have to be cleaning toilets for his father. Josh is going to flunk out of college and they are not in a great place. And then no. Uh, they go to Pickles, their roommate across the street, who we've met several times. And he talks about how he has all these appliances. He gets them sent in because it reminds him of home. Um, he's just really quiet and reserved. And we just kind of see him here and there with all his like blenders and the other appliances. So they go to his room to make a cocktail to kind of just like, you know, drown their sorrows. And then they see, I think that's his name, Pickle, right? I, I don't, it's like something that. with a P. It's something with a P. Yeah, I want to say it's like um, his name is Pickle or Pickles or something. And they kind of see like um, he has a label maker as one of his many things that reminds him of home. And on the label maker, it says like, you know, yeah, I'm pick- sorry. I'm sorry. Goodbye. So it's like a yeah. suicide note on this label and they go see him and he's completely passed out. He's taken a bunch of pills. Um, and so, yeah, it's this one character you kind of had seen in the background the whole time, super quiet, not out there making these crazy, um, you know, uh, conspiracy statements and shouting at the top of his lungs about crazy things. Not somebody doing all these daredevil insane stunts like Cliff um, not somebody who's wearing all this eyeliner and talking about how depressed they are. It's somebody who's quiet, who, you know, is reserved, who's keeping to themselves. Who's in the who's, background. Who's in the background, who's not telling you they're depressed, who's not telling you what they're going through. Um, Very clever way of doing it. Yes. So I thought that was such a smart, you know, we have all this ridiculousness happening throughout this whole movie, only get to get to somebody who is really dealing with suicide. And I think that's what people kind of forget. You know, especially people who have lost friends to suicide, they always kind of put that little bit of guilt on themselves of, you know, how did I not notice? How did I not see? Because people who are maybe thinking about this aren't out here talking about it. They're not, they're putting on a a happy face. Yeah, they're not making a show of themselves like a Cliff or a Buckley um, or a Matt. They are keeping it to themselves. They're putting on a different face for you because they feel like that's what they need to do. They feel like nobody's going to care because that's kind of the mindset they're in. So to kind of really cleverly depict that in such an honest way, I thought that was really smart um, that it's this character. For such a stupid movie. Right to just very, they be very so clever. poignant about suicide at the end, and I think they they knew that since they were kind of making a joke of such a serious topic throughout this whole movie, they kind of needed to end off with a really kind of poignant way of handling it, which yeah. I really 
really love about this movie. So um, yeah, they realize that Pickle has been suicidal and he's, you know, just quietly killing himself without anybody knowing. And, um, you know, Cooper still in that selfish mindset is like, oh my gosh, here's our out. You know, we just change the paperwork, say that he lives in our room and we'll get the grades. And he comes back in the room, like he's rushing to like move all of Pickle's stuff to the room and, you know, set it all up. And then we see Josh like helping him try to cough up the pills and like, yeah. you know, that's kind of when Cooper realizes, yeah, we probably shouldn't do this. And um, so they actually do try to help him. So it's great because you see them being selfish and like not really caring what's going to happen to this person this whole time, only for Josh to kind of step up and be in that actual situation in that moment and try when to help him. Actually yeah. So then he does help Pickles um, and they call the ambulance and they get him help. So now it's like, what are they going to do? That was their last anything to try to get out of the situation. Um, and Josh and Cooper have this huge fight because obviously Cooper was just willing to kind of let this happen. And Josh was like, no, this like we've gone too far. This is ridiculous. Um, so I kind of like how they go about it. So Cooper and Josh kind of have this huge fight. Josh goes off. Um, is it not a little bit <laughs> after the... Really, really quite poignant scenes of uh, of, of the, the previous five minutes. Is it not then all a bit cheapened again? Uh, I mean, kind of it is. Um, because, yeah, they are kind of going back to not taking it that seriously, right? Um, and oh, I the do movie, have... I mean, not necessarily yes. the characters, the actual movie. Yes. Um, and I mean, oh, I also have to mention like earlier in the plot when they were first kind of coming up with this plan, uh, Josh did go see like the school psychiatrist Yes, to kind of get some insight on what wouldn't make somebody suicidal and asking all these questions so they could have some insight. But that just made him look like he was yeah. maybe potentially suicidal. So that did happen earlier in the movie. Um, so... Cooper's like in his in the dorm room and then he hears everybody like, oh my gosh, that guy, he's like on top of that building. I think he's going to jump. It's Josh. Then he's like, Josh, what? So then he ends up going out there and Josh is kind of talking about, you know, what do I have left? And, you know, I should just end it all and all of these things. And Cooper ends up like talking him off the ledge yeah. and getting him down and like gives this really emotional speech about, you know, don't do this. You know, we need you all this whole kind of thing. And Josh ends up coming down. <laughs> and at this point, I'm still thinking, well done. Well done Get movie on campus. This is yes, really right? like Josh 90 really, minutes of nonsense after everything, you know, serious suicidal attempt. Then you see Josh after everything, feeling like he's lost everything. Maybe yeah he's feeling that that he needs to just do this because what else does he have left so then cooper comes talks him off the ledge only for josh to be like you don't think that they'd kick someone who's suicidal at school do you because <laughs> it's a comedy movie and we have to yes. end up some so cooper actually so cooper was actually very genuine in his speech he meant it he really thought josh was going to kill him so everything cooper said in that moment was real and like it was great to actually see cooper be real and emotional for yeah, once they in this both, movie. They both get a poignant moment, which is yes, nice. that actually like relates to 
dealing with real suicide situation. Yeah. Um, only for Josh to come down and say that he really, you know, he just did that because they don't, you know, they wouldn't kick someone suicidal out of school, would they? And so then they end up, you know, Cooper ends up kind of saving him. So obviously they're not going to do anything to Cooper because he helped talk Josh off the ledge. Josh is suicidal. School hero. So Cooper's a hero who saved Josh. Josh is a suicidal kid who just needs some help. So they're not going to, so that that saves them from the grade situation. Um, And dirty trick. Yes. So Josh does have the stipulation of he has to do like, I think like a year or six months or something of therapy with the school psychologist, psychiatrist. And he actually does realize he wants to do psych- uh, psychiatry over medical stuff for yeah. his education. So he does end up changing his major. Um, and Cooper I suppose does. I suppose that does kind of show that they almost needed to cheapen it a little bit in order to just get them out of the situation they'd written the characters yes. into. Yes, because now you have to like figure out how to get them out of this. Because um, I, I suppose after that, you still do get kind of sensible, uh, a sensible attitude towards dealing with mental illness and, and that kind of stuff you know josh wanting to take up psychiatry after being involved in sessions yes. yeah you know and an actual these couple these few character moments of actual genuine honest um emotion yes so i'm glad we did at least get two real strong moments from these characters i'm glad we at least got a real serious um depiction of you know suicide uh in this movie that's real just, yes in 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 a movie that's kind of just poking fun and satirizing it a bit um so yeah, I'm glad we at least got those moments to kind of round out the conclusion of this movie. Um, and then we do kind of get a little narration of what where everyone's at. So you know, because, like it's, said, a, because <laughs> yes. it's a college movie, Janine. Yes, have, have a college have movie. You have to know what happened to these people. Uh, so Josh, like I said, ends up going into psychiatry. Him and Rachel are still together, and she likes having an unstable boyfriend because it gives her, you know, ideas for her creative writing. Cooper, bit yeah. Cooper stayed in school. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, Cooper, I like, in I like having you as a boyfriend. You're, you you're, you're broken, and I like. That. And I love that because I can use that. <laughs> Horrible um, person. Cooper stays in school, but he does spend his summers scrubbing toilets for his dad. Um, which I guess when he's high, it can be a zen-like experience. Apparently uh, so. Never tried. Yes. Um, Buckley does end up getting arrested for the attempted murder of Bill Gates, I believe. And he goes to prison. <laughs> yes. Um, exactly where he should be long <laughs> if he tries killing Bill Gates. If he tries yes. killing anybody, that's exactly where somebody exactly. should be. Matt ends up actually being a superstar. Like his song Sperm pop goes star. to the top. Not yeah, even, and, not, and, not, but it's not pop. Like emo rock. It's star. not emo rock anymore. It's like pop, and he gets to meet his hero Kurt Loader. Um, Very happy and himself. Cliff ended up drowning on a cruise, but somehow he ended he didn't up getting know, didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> he ends up busting it at the end. Um, still trying to wearing party. a life jacket. Yes. 
still trying to like with seaweed hanging off of him looking all dirty and still trying to hang out with Cooper and uh, <laughs> and Josh. <laughs> still having all the energy in the world. Yeah. It just terrifies me. Cliff genuinely terrifies me. <laughs> people, I, I think people with that sort of manic energy exist, and I think I've come across them. I may have blocked some parts <laughs> of it out, but I'm sure I must have because it's a serious... I think my fear of people like Cliff is beaten only by my very, very irrational fear of adults dressed as babies. What? Which I talked about on last week's main show. Which is my irrational fear, because it doesn't really make any sense. It just weirds me out. Yeah. But people like Cliff are genuinely like, I'm scared of you legitimately. And I, I don't want to ever have to deal with somebody like you. <laughs> Because yeah. you, I, I genuinely believe you would murder me and not even realize you've done it. It's scarier than a murderer wanting to murder you. But even how they go about it, like, oh, Cliff died on this, you know, his <laughs> yeah. body was never recovered. Cooper took it the hardest, and then he goes to the grave, and like, Cliff goes out of the grave. Like, like him. Yes. And like, He's obviously on the grave, and he's like, hey, you're kneeling on my junk. Like, what? <laughs> Horrible. And then that turns out to be a nightmare, but then he does bust in on them. Like, hey. <laughs> hey, can we party now? And no. Like, and then they grab each other and scream. Yeah, and that's how the Which is ends. exactly what I would do. Yes. Not even realizing it was a nightmare. Just like, oh, please, no, Cliff, go away. I'm so terrified. Oh, I would like to end this episode with a question for you, Janine. Okay. Who wins in a fight? Cliff or Kyle? Ooh. Um, well, I'm sure if uh, Cliff brought his friend Carl along, <laughs> Kyle might be uh, too distracted <laughs> to fight. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Because or just I, show I, him, just show him the freshman Facebook, and he'll be plenty distracted. I actually think it's Cliff a hundred percent. Yeah, because He's Kyle will get loop. way too angry if he missed a punch. Yeah, he just get angry with himself. Kyle's more likely to beat himself up because it's just the thrill of punching something. Yes, as opposed to Cliff, who just give zero fucks so he would yeah <laughs> I would just absolutely rail on somebody yeah because what else is he going to do with his time <laughs> what happened to cliff in in like i don't he's a completely fictional character i'm just what happens to people like that when they're 35 uh, he's, probably are, still in, he's probably prison? still in college. I mean, he looked 35 in this movie. <laughs> 1998. <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he, he might have been. He might have been. He's like um, Wyatt Russell in Everybody Wants Some. Who yeah. was like 35. As The character was like 35, but he was just he just loved being in college. 
he just stayed there for years and years and years, just getting high with every new set of students that came in. Yeah, and then he ended up getting arrested because he sh he shouldn't have been there and he shouldn't have been living there and he wasn't legally supposed to be there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, it's actually quite a good movie though. I actually I I laughed quite a lot to be honest with you, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the other two movies. Okay. We'll see how you feel about the next one when we definitely get back into a um a popularity game of sorts. This time we're okay. going into the world of pageantry. <laughs> Oh, it's full-on pageantry. It's full-on beauty this time. Yes. Okay. But it's, very it's not just country. popularity. Yes. It's just absolute beauty. Beauty pageants. Yeah. Oh, I hate beauty pageants, Janine. I'm going to be honest with you. I think they're a horrible, horrible invention. Beauty well, pageants. Well, put that, combine that with a dark scene comedy. And I well, think you'll yeah, actually maybe, get some. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you'll be able to make a couple horror movie uh, um. Oh, um, comparisons in this one as well so um yeah i believe this is amy adams first movie what is it jenny drop dead gorgeous <laughs> is it about zombies people <laughs> drop dead and then they are gorgeous um pretty much. that's pretty much exactly pretty what happens much. in sure. this movie isn't it sure i'll Mur let you just i'll let you just think that movies, i'll let you think that um, but we do get uh, Brittany Murphy in here and Ooh. Kristen Dunst and uh, uh, Allen. She's not doing cheerleading. Bring it on. Um, she's doing tap dancing. She's doing tap dancing. That's not cheerleading, though, Janine. That's, this is not Bring It On, is it? No, it is not. Unfortunately. Great movie, Bring It On. Love Bring It On. Uh, right, well, Drop Dead yes. Gorgeous, that is next week. Dead Man on Campus, that was this week. I st I did enjoy this movie. It was <laughs> enjoyably clever and intelligent at the end. Really, mu really very much so. But filled with unbelievably immature male teen movie yes, humor from the late 90s. And show some male idiots as opposed to some very manipulative um, females. <laughs> Which, every once in a while, you, you don't mind that kind of humor, though, Janine. No. Every once in a while, you can get into incredibly sex-crazed, drinking-crazed, selfish college boys. You can get into that kind of humor sometimes. Every day, like Cliff, will be just too much for any sane yeah. human being. Yeah, yes, agreed. Or semi-sane human being, or barely sane human being. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, you would have to be as insane as Cliff. Yeah, pretty much. To, to be into what Cliff's doing. Anyway, that is going to do it, I think, for this episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen talking dead man on campus we do have drop dead gorgeous next week and then one more to finish off the dark teen comedies series it's been a great series so far yeah. i have certainly enjoyed it i'm struggling to think of what i preferred actually between heathers and jawbreaker having sat on the both of them for a while now 
But certainly I would say I preferred both of them to this one, but I certainly okay. did not dislike this one. All right. So we will get into some pageant stuff next week. I'm excited to see what you think of Drop Dead Gorgeous. Definitely. Well, there we go. This is Morgan Hasn't Seen, of course, that you have been listening to right now, but it is not the only show we have on this feed. The It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We have It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, every Friday, where we show love and celebrate and discover old movies. Uh, we, we love old movies here on It's a Wonderful Podcast. That we is do. the main show for celebrating wonderful older movies this week me and janine are on there uh talking separate tables an oscar winner from 1958 with a great cast yes. great cast of both american and british people it's very nice in that way um last week's episode me and nolan were talking the 1962 musical gypsy with natalie wood and rosalind russell and carl malden that was fun as well Every week on It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, we celebrate older movies. So uh, that's the best place for that. We also have Machine Mondays every Monday with Janine, the machine of the movie trivia schmodown over there. Where she <laughs> talks about all the schmodown things, don't you, Janine? I do, I do, I do. It's a fun time. Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find the feed Everywhere podcasts are found, that is Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and everywhere else, or on Twitter, at just It's a Wonderful One. Janine, we also have a Patreon. We do. It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com. We have some fun tiers over there. You can vote in polls, bonus content, monthly artwork, fun Sunday live streams with our patrons, uh, insight into my artwork, all of these fun things. Uh, yeah, so please check it out. It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com. We also, of course, have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel, so go ahead and subscribe over there for all the fun stuff we do on the YouTube, and we are getting back into doing more stuff on the YouTube as well, so go and give us a subscribe over there and do your notification bells and all that business as well, so you mate, so you know, you, you get notified, that's important in the life of today, isn't it, notifications, <laughs> people yeah. get annoyed by them, but then when you get them, you click on them and you see, oh look, it's a wonderful podcast alive doing something fun. Yes. We then we go and watch it and, and be nice and supportive, don't we? That's how support works. Well <laughs> done for explaining. Well done me for explaining that. One. Good job. Good um job. thank you. You can also, of course, find me on Twitter at the purple don with the three instead of the E in the because Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just the purple don. And all your wonderful stuff is at where? You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. And if you want to get uh, any custom uh, or artwork uh, for our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my tea public shop at G9Design. Well, there we go. I think there's only one thing left to do, Janine, and I am going to ask you to do it in an impression of Cliff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> do I have to make that weird tongue-clicking yes. sound? Yes. Oh, God, it's, hot. it's like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> times worse. Stop it! You told me to do it. Hear it. 
I was only joking. It's horrible. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I figured the clicking would be the count. It would replace the clicking. The count. Can be the count. Oh god, it was awful. Go away, Cliff. Get out of my face. <laughs>